On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football by giving you an update on all the craziness going on at OU, and we preview OU Baylor with David Smoke. Smokey is about as well-connected as you can be with the Baylor program, so he knows things. We also preview Oklahoma State and TCU. In the National College Football Roundup, we discuss the new CFP rankings, bring you the latest college football news, and preview some of the marquee games of the weekend, including West Virginia, Iowa State, and A&M and Auburn. We give you our winners and losers of the week and wet the beak with Sunday's matchup between the Browns and Titans. To finish up, we discuss the Thunder announcing that the season will start with no fans in the stands in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, December 3rd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Wednesday night. And uh, I'm watching something. They're, they're lighting a Christmas tree huh. at Rockefeller Center in New York City. Uh, the Ravens and Steelers just played a football game that ended at like 5.15 local time. My brain is confused. I don't know what's happening. But let's get to it, Ted. The rumors. Let's the do rumors. it. The rumors. You've got a Rona problem. They've got a Rona problem. But let's just start with the staff. And you are very close to the staff. That is well documented. And the rumor is that Alex Grinch has tested positive and will not be able to coach on Saturday. Your thoughts? Yes, that is the rumor for sure. And I can't say whether or not definitively, Gabe, okay, uh, he tested positive or not. But that was a strong rumor that I believe probably has some good truth to it. But 
I think he's going to be there to coach this weekend. What? Okay. So I'm connecting dots here. That's what I do. I connect dots, right? So you're saying the rumor has some truth to it, but you expect him to be coaching on the sideline on Saturday night against Baylor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I expect him to be there. I expect him to be there coaching full capacity. Well, there's only one natural – once again, connecting the dots. <laughs> uh, that leads me to believe that – and this is not the first time this has happened to someone in college football, but that, that leads me to believe that we're, uh, we're looking at a false, false positive situation here. I don't know. It could be. I mean, all I know is there were heavy rumors that uh, Grinch may be out this week. And, you know, all I can say is I fully expect him to be there coaching. Now, um, I guess maybe there's a chance he pulled the Saban and complained until they said it was a false positive, you know? <laughs> I mean, is that one of the things that you could do? Just uh, bitch that's and how it works. and – uh, raise enough hell that finally they're like, ah, okay, it was a false positive, whatever, go coach. No, I mean, I expect him to be there. And um, I know I expect the defense to be ready to play. I do. All right. There's more rumors. And those are brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. <laughs> Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the fire. We drink it, I don't know, when it's warm, cold. It doesn't matter. We drink it, okay? It's perfect for any occasion. It's made in Oklahoma, and it's absolutely delicious. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. Okay, the OU news, the rumors, they continue. The Rona. And Lincoln Raleigh, he, he came out. He acknowledged that it's definitely a dicey situation right now in Norman. But from what I've been told, I feel like this, is, this should just be the from what I've been told episode of the podcast. Decode the Oklahoma breakdown. They are on track to play. And now they're going to be missing a few guys in the secondary. But, Teddy, this is – exactly why they do what they do defensively they have been playing a lot of guys already that's what they do so they're going to be playing guys that have been playing a lot of snaps anyways I mean Jeremiah Cradell he's played snaps DJ Graham he's played snaps like there will be guys on the field that yes maybe aren't necessarily starters but it's not like it's their first time on the field they've been playing and I, I think that's why Sometimes people question the way that Grinch does things, rotating all those guys, but that, this was almost the perfect year for that approach. Yeah, I, I think it's been great. I mean, uh, we've seen multiple guys come through, multiple, multiple guys play well. Um, you know, I think sometimes it has to do with what the opponent's doing. Like, take, for instance, early in the season, Iowa State, Kansas State a bunch of different personnel groupings, a bunch of shifts and motions pre-snap. That's not whenever you want to play young guys that maybe don't have 
as good of a grasp. You know, you get later into the season, those guys got, you know, more practice under the belt, plus you play teams that don't do as much movement pre-snap. It's a little easier to grasp what exactly you're doing. You can play those guys a little bit more. So um, I think the approach has been really good. You know, I trust that, you know, the, the rumor is there's a bunch of guys out in the secondary and, you know, you would probably say of all the position groups, maybe on the entire team, that that is where you can't afford to miss guys. And I think that was true at one point this season. But the way that defensive line's playing right now, I think things have changed. And I think that if you're getting to the quarterback the way they are, if you're winning at the line of scrimmage that the, the way that they are, that I don't think it's going to be nearly as, as big as a, a hit if – you know, it was earlier in the season. You're without Ronnie Perkins. You're missing a big group of those guys in the interior. So, I don't know. I, I still feel pretty good about where they're at defensively. Yeah, you mentioned that defensive line. Now, expecting, you know, guys like John Michael Terry, Marcus Stripling, uh, going to have a big role in this game. But last time I checked, games are still won and lost at the line of scrimmage. That's how, that's how football works. And from what I've been told, the offensive line is going to be full strength heading into this football game. That, that brings me all kinds of comfort knowing that. Also, the defense line, they feel really good about where they're at coming into this game. I mean, 8, 7, 95, guys are ready to roll. So while I, I know all the rumors are floating out there, like, this is not going to be some patchwork Oklahoma team on Saturday. The majority of the starters are ready to roll, especially, in my opinion, in the positions that matter the most. Now, I don't feel like Austin Stogner is quite ready to go. I know they're, they're trying to be really careful with him. Uh, they feel like they need to try to buy as much time for him as they possibly can but I, they still have all these weapons. Now, one interesting thing, we, we filmed Coach's Corner this week uh, with Dennis Simmons, and unprovoked, he brought up Trey West. He brought it up. Who's saying that? that? Saying that when he gets his chance, Trayvon West, Trey West, he calls him Trey, so I'm going to call him Trey. He brought him up and said, hey, when he gets his chance – don't be surprised if he makes plays. Now, we've seen him here and there throughout the year, late in games. I feel like that was a message he was sending to me. Like, so I don't know if that means somebody on the outside, from a receiver's perspective, isn't going to be available. But I'm certainly going to have my eye on that kid because it sounds like he may be getting his opportunity. Hey, man, I, the one thing that – there was a time when I was worried about wide receiver on this team. Uh, way back in the summer whenever I didn't have anything other to do than worry. But right now, I, you just tell me who they're marching out there and I feel fine. As long as our offensive line is playing the way that they have lately and the running game is, is going the way that it has been lately, I feel good about it. We've got, we've got playmakers at wide receiver coming out the ears. You know, even with Stogner being out, I mean, that's a big hit, but I still feel, I still feel good about where they are. Uh, skill position-wise on the offense. You know what Stogner being out 
means. It means Lincoln Riley's going to spend another two hours in the middle of the night designing touchdown plays for Jeremiah Hall. That's what it means. Or now, Mikey maybe, Henderson. Or, ooh, gosh. I love Mikey Henderson. I love that skill set. <laughs> but Jeremiah Hall, I, I will say this. I feel like he scores more touchdowns than any fullback should. I don't know what he is, but that's all the kid does. And I expect – it wouldn't surprise me at all if Lincoln dials up some plays for him again. It seems to be – he seems to be the guy that Lincoln just likes getting touchdowns for. Yeah. Well, you may be too young for this guy, but the only fullback I can remember scoring this many touchdowns is Mike Allstott at Tampa Bay. Too, okay, first of all, how dare you accuse me of being too young <laughs> to remember Mike Allstott, but I can see a young Teddy Laban with the shoulder pads, what, rocking, what was he, 40? Throwing 40, 40 yeah. across your chest. I can see it now. Well, I, you know, that would have been good, but unfortunately I, I felt like I was a tailback, not a – which he played a lot at tailback, but uh, no, nah, he was a beast. He was fun, man. Do we need to address any of the other rumors? I feel like there's so many rumors. Sure, why not? Let's hit it. What else do you got? What else do you want to? What else do you want to talk about? That's that's really up. I mean, it's up to you. There, the rumors. Hey, there's going to be guys on the staff on both sides of the ball that will be missing. That is true. Yes. But. I don't think as many guys as people are talking about will be missing. Is, is that a fair way to say that, Ted? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And at the end of the day, I think we're so good on this staff, you know, and, and they spent a ton of time this offseason going over this, like, I think we got good redundancy, if that makes sense. If, if we lose a wide receiver coach, we've got two. We've got an inside and an outside. I feel fully confident that someone could take over that role. If we lose a running back coach, I feel fully confident that a guy like Kel Gundy can slide over from inside uh, receivers and take over the, the running back spot. You know, the one place that you really worry about would probably be like offensive line or Lincoln uh, as far as play calling goes. And I haven't heard those rumors, so I think we're good there. And defensively, it's kind of the same thing. I think we're set up redundancy-wise that you feel pretty good about it. You know, if, if Grinch is out, I feel like, you know, Manning can take care of the secondary. If Odom's out, I feel like Grinch can take care of the backers. You know, if either one of your defensive line coaches are out, I feel like the other guy can take care of that. So, and I feel like if, if Grinch were out, I feel like we'd have uh, confidence in one of the other guys calling the defense. I just, I think they're in a good spot. And I don't think that, you know, you can really factor any of this into how the team is going to play. The team may even play better. You get a boost sometimes whenever weird thing, things happen. For whatever reason, whenever you're faced with some weird adversity, teams tend to come together and everyone buys in a little bit more that week and you end up putting out a good product. And the, they, they might get a boost from – I can't believe we went this long without talking about it because it's so damn awesome. But they might get a boost – 
from a certain guy that you and I played for. Uh, a lot of people know him for wearing a visor. I was, I was so excited when, you know, when we found out that Bob was back on the practice field with him. It, that had to be so damn cool. Just, just for him, for the kids that, because remember, not, not all these kids were recruited by Bob. Right. Right. I, I mean, they there's only a handful of guys that were, that were coached by him. Yeah. So, I, and I know that Lincoln dropped that bomb on everyone. It was awesome. His delivery, like you could tell he wanted to smile, but he just did Like he was like, mm-hmm, that's a, uh, that's going to make, that's going to make some waves, but <laughs> it's, it's awesome to know that he's out there helping out. He's scratching that football itch. Now, Teddy, maybe you know. I, I'm not entirely sure because I, I understand he's an institutional employee that allows him to be out there. But, like, can he actually coach on Saturday? I think so. Me and too. That's what. That's how I understand it. Is like he can, like, actually coach yeah. the kids on Saturday night. Now, from what I understand, he can, but it, it, I think this is a one-year deal. I think they made some changes here to where if this was going to happen so teams wouldn't be just total, totally left out, if you had someone there on staff uh, institutionally, you could, um, I guess, call them up to be able to come out and coach and be on the field to where you're not down numbers. So as far as I know, yes. And I don't think this is a typical year thing where, where you'd be able to have all these guys on reserve like Alabama does and just, you know, call someone up on a, on a weekly basis. But Which one of the eight ex-head head coaches? coaches? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's awesome. The only thing I can think of is, like, whenever I played, like, Coach Switzer, whenever he was around, it was like, oh, my God, there's Barry Switzer. And I, it's got to be the same thing with Coach Stoops and some of the guys that had never been around here before. And I can't imagine what it would be like to all of a sudden one day, you know, your coaching staff comes in and says, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, the guy with the statue outside, he's going to be sitting in in practice and uh, meetings the next week. That's got to be the coolest thing ever. So not only is it cool for the players, but I talked to Jamar Kane on Coach's Corner this week. And he said, Bob came up to him and told him he's doing a great job. He said, he was like, I don't get starstruck, but I was starstruck. He was like, no, I'm not doing a good job. You're just saying, he's like, no, 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 you're doing a good job. I love what you guys are doing on the edge. And he said, it was just, it was just so cool because I mean, he hadn't had any interactions with Bob. So I, I do think, and I don't want to overblow this because it, it it's Baylor. Baylor's not a great football team right now, but that type of stuff, it, it can bring energy to the practice field. It can bring energy to the locker yeah. room. It brings energy to the staff when you just went through a couple weeks of hell, right, with this whole virus thing and, you know, living life on edge all the time. I, I think it's just what this team needed, honestly. How cool would it be to be at practice and – uh, get your ass ripped by uh, Bob Stoops stepping in for the week. I feel like I'd jog over to the sideline and go to the guy next to me. He's like, dude, did you see that? I just that got was, cussed out by Bob Stoops. How awesome was that? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> oh, good for Bob. Oh, 
our friends at Rock and Roll Tequila, they got to be thrilled. They, he should slap a logo on the hat. It's going to be great. He probably will. I, I, I don't think that's – there may be – like if he's up in the box, if he's in the booth, there may happen to be a bottle sitting next to him. You never know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we've got the OU Baylor preview with our buddy David Smoke, and no one knows Baylor football better than David Smoke. So here's that interview. It is our pleasure to be joined by the most well-connected man when it comes to Baylor football. He's a host at Sikkim 365 Radio. He's also, which is badass, a Heisman and Bolitnikoff voter. David Smokes. Smokey is in the house. What's going on, man? Man, I'm doing great. I, I hope you guys are as well. Uh, you know, we don't we don't all get to see much of each other anymore at the venues because of how everything's been going. But it's great to stay in touch and be a part of various shows. And it's uh, everything's going well. It's uh, it's uh, golly, what a year, huh? Man, crazy. Yeah, uh, especially for the Baylor Bears, Smokey. I mean, this has been an adventure to say the least. Now. This team coming off a big win against Kansas State, right? Last-minute drive by Charlie Brewer, sets up the field goal by John Mayers. But what has this year been like for Dave Aranda? It just seems like he's had to deal with so much adversity. It's, I can't imagine a worse situation for a first-year head coach. Well, yeah, you, you know, everyone's had to deal with either – most people did not have spring drills. If some did, they were fortunate – Obviously, the shutdown, what, March or April. And, yeah, and, and have a first-year head coach. He's never been a head coach. He, you know, I, I think overall, yeah, there's some frustration because you're coming off a team that played in the Sugar Bowl that was, what, a, a missed tackle against Chris Platt in the Big 12 championship game at AT&T Stadium of maybe, who knows, winning the Big 12 title. They had those two classic games with Oklahoma last year. It has been tough. It really has been. There's just a handful of holdover coaches that were a part of the Matt Rule staff that did such a tremendous job. There's been some griping, and you know, there's been some complaining, and there's been some anger and frustration. And I, I said this in Matt Rule's first year, coming off that scandal in his first year, I said that I was going to give him a mulligan. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have expectations, they shouldn't show improvement. And I said the same thing with Dave Aranda when spring was canceled. We never knew what we were going to face in the fall and winter. No one did, really. If they did, I guess they're lying. But I, I've, I've kind of said, listen, uh, the wins and losses, I know you couldn't do that at Oklahoma. I know you can't do that in Tuscaloosa. You can't do that maybe in Columbus. But I, I felt like just because of the change, because of the lack of a lot of things, and then they, said, they had the flare-up. They're, 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 they went through what Oklahoma's been going through the last week or two, back in September. And so I think that definitely set them back a little bit. And then they're just, they haven't won the close games until they won Saturday night against Kansas state. And it took Charlie Brewer being who he used to be, you know, to have a amazing fourth quarter comeback to win that game. I mean, yeah, I think there may be a lot of similarities. You look at rules first year, what there's a football team that won one game and Oklahoma ends up going to, the Rose Bowl and the college football playoff and, and playing Georgia. But, you know, that that's a game that was, what, 49-41 uh, against a winless Baylor at the time whenever Oklahoma came to town. Mm-hmm. And, and right now it it's kind of has the same feel. But I think this team is, is really starting to, 
to come together. I mean, they got to be playing better football now, you know, not having the spring, as you mentioned, not having the summer training camp in September, as you mentioned, they went through the virus stuff, didn't have, you know, a, a full team to practice with. They've got to be playing the best football that they have. And the coaches have to have a better feel for all of their players, players better feel for their systems. I mean, right now, like Oklahoma was supposed to play Baylor right out of the gate. Now we get them at the end. We're probably getting them whenever they're going to be at their absolute best. You know, yeah, and there's a absolutely almost across the board. You know, the last the two, 2017, they were they were bad. I mean, they'd lost to Liberty and UT San Antonio, and the, there was that tackle, Taylor Young, pancaked uh, or basically jackknife Baker Mayfield, and you could tell some things were were getting a little bit better. I'll never forget, by the way, a story before that game. Joey McGuire, who's the longtime Hall of Fame high school football coach out of South Dallas at Cedar Hill. He, he texts me that week. This is their 0-3. They've lost to Liberty, UT San Antonio, and Duke, and they're about to play Oklahoma. He texts me that week, and he said, we will be a part of a championship moment. Now, I know a lot of people say that, but he, he told me then there was something that happened. I don't know if it was that week or they just kind of turned the corner. They still lost another three or four games in a row, but they started to give people problems. And so – you know, they got blown out in Stillwater badly and a couple other places, but he could see something happening. That, that coaching staff was so, so close. The, what Matt Brule brought in from the East Coast and around the, 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 the NFL, and then, of course, then he brought in those three high school coaches out of Texas as well. They were so close. And, they, you know, I think that you've seen the senior class, and you guys both played the game at a high level. And the senior class – they had bought into everything Matt Rule. They also all knew at some point there was a good chance he would leave, and especially after the year they were having. This staff with Aranda and company, he's had to bring people in there, some from LSU. There were some from University of Louisiana, some they held over, some that were the and, – and, I, I, you know, they did not have – you know, some of the things you take for granted, and I hope I'm not going too long on this, is just getting to know who you are. Like, what does your left hand do, your right hand do, where some staffs, like, you just know. And the other thing is, you know, they never really had a chance to meet parents. So when things started getting a little dicey early in the year, you can get a little barking. You know, parents start getting the ears of players. And, they, you know, I had a couple text me. I go, don't text me. You know, I mean, I, I went back and forth with them a little bit. They didn't get to develop any relationships at all except on a laptop or an iPad. And I don't care how technology is this day and age. You can't do that. You know, that, that's like dating somebody off of one of those sites. You just don't know who they are. And they had to do that with 85-man scholarships and 100 guys or so, including walk-ons. And I, just, I think just now, through some of the tough times, they're just starting to know a little bit about some of the players. You know, Larry Fedora said something to us guys that when we had him on, I think it was in the maybe the late spring, early summer, that he was not going to watch film of what Baylor did on offense the year before, which I still think to this day was probably something he should have admitted. And they're just now understanding. This is seven games into the year. Charlie Brewer is not one of those that's going to sit back in the pocket, go through three or four progressions, and, 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 and be able – he's not – He's not that six foot four Trevor Lawrence. He's not that guy. He's one of those one two run. 
And that's what he does best. And that's, I don't know if he can do it in Norman. I don't know if he can do it in two weeks against Oklahoma State. But he finally was able to kind of, they kind of like took the handcuffs off of him in the second half against what is a beleaguered Kansas State team. But that was the Charlie Brewer we had seen for a couple of years, two and a half years. Yeah, Smokey, you, you mentioned Larry Fedora and that offense, and I'm with you. I've been really surprised that they're throwing it around as much as they are. And, and I know Brewer's coming off his best performance against Kansas State, but – and they have skill guys. Uh, I like Snead. I like Fleeks. Like, they've got some speed at wide receiver, but – have you been surprised that they haven't run it more when you've got guys like Tristan Eber, Ebner and John Lovett? Well, you, here's the problem. and you, You're exactly right. They can't run the ball, guys. They had a couple hundred yards, I think, against Texas Tech in a game you could see was almost like watching somebody bleed to death. They had the lead, and then eventually Texas Tech was down whatever it was, 13 to start the fourth quarter or 10, and, and you just knew the way they throw it around that they'd get the win behind them, and they'd eventually, you know, that was just like they, couldn't, they just couldn't put the nail in the coffin, but they can't run the ball. You watch any game this year. Now, Texas Tech, they brought in Quaylen Jones because Ebner and Lovett were not really available for that game. And it wasn't because of anything. They were hurt. And so they brought in this banger. I mean, it's a big kid. And he, he made some things happen. He's also got speed on the edges. But they ran the ball. Of course, Texas Tech's defense, we know, is not very good. And so they were able to do that. They cannot run the ball. If it is third, and this is not to be, I'm not trying to be overly like dramatic here. If it's third and one, if it's third and two, and, of course, a lot of people throw it around no matter what the down and distance is these days. You really don't know if they're going to get it. If it's fourth and one, Charlie Brewer early on in his career would be one of those, you take the quick snap, you, you, know, you touch the butt, you, 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 you pop the butt of the center, boom, and he, he was, he's taken that, – that's almost been taken away from them. It is the running game, and the offensive line, they started out with Xavier Newman, one of the few guys back – he was suspended the first game. Well, hell, it took forever for them to play their first game. And then they had some guys. They had, like, basically almost four-fifths of the offensive line had COVID or quarantine or self-contact tracing. You guys kind of know what's going on with that. And, and they, they got no reps, no cohesiveness, nothing. And, and you could tell. And then when they finally got everybody back together, we were watching the game one day and we're like, they're rotating these guys in and out all the time on the offensive line when they need to have the opportunity to learn to who's their right. They had a center, for example, um, Newman, who started out at center. Two series later, he's at left guard. And I promise you, there were times I think he still thought he was at center where he would pull or where he would go or where he would try to, you know, go one way or the other. And it really was kind of confusing. I think they're just now starting to know each other. However, they still don't run the ball very well. They just their best running game is Charlie Brewer taking off under pressure and you know before there's too much pressure and he had what 70 something yards on 16 carries he was sacked 7 times so that hurt the numbers. That's their best running game. Ebner's more get him out in the open. I always I thought this year Love it would be a 20 carries 93 yards, 79 yards, 110 yards a game. They just cannot run the ball very well. You know, typically, I don't really – I don't ever – I'm not interested in what the mindset of a football team is. I just don't think it matters. For the most part, I would say that every team shows up and gives it their best effort every single 
you know, week, week in, week out, no matter what they're, no matter who they're playing, no matter what the record is. This year, I think it's different. It's been such a grind. We're so deep into this thing. There's games being canceled. There's, you know, who knows what's going to happen. They're, the kids have been going through all this testing and they can't go see their family on Thanksgiving. And it's just been, it's been brutal. What's the mindset of this team, you think, as we're getting to the later stages of the season? You know, they're not really playing for anything right now. I don't even know what bowl games are going to be out there. Is this a team that is bought in with Coach Aranda and, and really peaking after that, that win? Or is this a team that you think is just looking for the finish line and trying to get done? It's a great question because I don't know, you know, it, I'll put it this way. They've had two halves this year, including Saturday and the game against Kansas State, where it was atrocious. I asked Dave Aranda a week ago Monday, uh, after they had blown a couple of late game leads, uh, Iowa State, they, they threw the pick near the end zone when they were up and then they blew the lead. And then they had the disastrous finish against Texas Tech. And I asked him, has your team, could you, do you think because of these two excruciating losses and you're one in five now, have you hit rock bottom? Are you a rock bottom guy? He goes, one of the things he said, one of the problems with that is if you think you're at rock bottom, what if it gets worse? And you know what? So he didn't really buy into rock bottom. And then Saturday against Kansas State, that was rock bottom. That was, I, I, I almost put things up on social media, on Twitter, and I got to always remember, I know you guys played the game at the level, that it's still college football, although there's some big boy programs and, and all that. I, I was careful. I just said, on Monday, I asked Dave Aranda, have you hit rock bottom? And I now have to think about how I'm going to ask him that question again on, on Monday this next week. And then here they come. They come out. They make some plays. They gave up some big plays on defense. But, I mean, they look like a completely different animal. I don't know if you guys heard this or not. And, and again, I, I keep referring to you. You played the game, and so, you know, you get down. Baseball, football, basketball. You always have somebody that's going to say, my God, they're going to have to kill me to win. There's no way they're going to let them, we're going to let them win the game, whatever. And I'd love to hear it from you guys on how you – Charlie Brewer's not a – he's not a guy that's yelling and screaming. He does everything on his actions. There's some guys that are barkers and some that are not. And there was a moment in that fourth quarter when they had to make – they had to come back. And he said something in front of the offensive huddle. He said, we're going to win this game, and my God, they're going to have to kill me for us not to win the game, something like that. And Dave Aranda said, it wasn't like just somebody yapping their lips. It was different because it was Charlie. And he noticed that everybody in that huddle on the sideline went, what? Like that was different from him. That wasn't just saying something to say it. And he, and he helped will them back. Now he almost fumbled. They got called. They got the fumble uh, back <laughs> in their favor which would have been interesting. I had a guy that played baseball at Baylor tell me, yeah, everybody does that. But when you're not a guy that's very vocal and then you say it, it does catch some people's attention. And I think it lit a fire under the defense as well. And yeah, it helped that they did it because then, you know, it, does it matter? Is it like a tree falling in the forest and nobody saw it or heard it? I, I think that they could have laid down and died in that game. You know, TCU was beating the hell out of them. It was like 30 to nothing. They score a touchdown late in the first half. They came back at one point. That game got real interesting. So in a couple of games when they could have just said, screw it, everything's been against us throughout the year, coaching change, COVID, all this, 
they have shown a little bit of that moxie to say, no, we're not going to go down. Now, Oklahoma could put 50 up on them. We don't know. Oklahoma's explosive. Whether they're struggling with numbers or not, they could still you know, make teams look really bad. But they have, when it looked like it was like, oh, my God, this is the worst it could be, they have answered the call twice in games in which they could have won either one. They did win one. They lost the game to TCU. I think this team has a little bit of – you know – they, this, there's still some guys on this team that went through 1-11. There's some guys on this team that went through 1-11. Now, that's different than what they're going through now, but as you mentioned, it's similarities. So I think that they have been through some big – they've been through being told everything negative about Baylor football possible when they arrived on campus. Then they go through 1-11. I mean, these guys have experienced a lot of negative, a lot of bad things have been said about them, or a lot of bad things have happened to them. And I think that's why they're so mentally tough. Even if they don't always produce, I think this is a tough football team. Now, Smokey, uh, Dave Veranda, obviously a, a defensive guy, and it, kind of an interesting wrinkle to this game that he was the coordinator at LSU when the Sooners played them in the Peach Bowl last year. But looking at this defense in particular, it's kind of confusing, and it sucks that they lost Drill Bernard. I, I think yeah. he's a really good player, was doing a lot for that group. But when you look at the statistics, this is a group that is good against the pass, not so good against the run, but struggles to get to the quarterback. Like mm-hmm. it, It's just a very confusing blend there I I really like the Jalen Petrie kid Uh, I think he's their best player on that side but but what are your thoughts on this defense with what you've seen so far well you know they lost three alpha dogs on on the defensive line and you know if you're a good program Alabama goes through that every year Oklahoma's had their times when they've lost people as well it's what you do when you're good and man but James Lynch James Lockhart and Bravion Royce playing for Carolina like right now I mean, he's a he. You could not. You know, some teams eventually. You could not run the ball on them last year. If, if some people, I'm not saying that nobody, on occasion, got them. Bravion Roy was like a big dump truck in the middle. You know, he's. I'm not trying to compare him to. You know, those big old defensive nose tackles that used to play in the NFL. What you know, Gilbert Brown and whoever that guy who played for New England that ended up with Hugh. He he, he was. You couldn't move him. He was a dude now, and you could, that was their that was the the core, and 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 then you have you had the pass rush with Lynch. Lockhart was just kind of your everyday army ant, you know, worker bee, and then you could not run the ball on them too much, even on the perimeter, because it would Clay Johnston, and then it became Bernard, and they were both good on the you know going each way. Yeah, this team gave up a seventy-five yard jet sweep, and they gave up about a. 35 or 40-yard run to Deuce Vaughn. Of course, you guys know how good he is, although he was dead quiet against Iowa State. And you also knew that after the Iowa State game, Kansas State had to play better. They, had, they were humiliated by Iowa State, and they did. They, they have struggled giving up chunks of yardage. And here's what's interesting is they're really good against the pass, and yet against Texas, they didn't give much up on the ground, at least when the game was still on. But they gave up three or four long passes that Ellinger just fired down there, and, and there was busted coverage. So they've tightened that up. They've got some – Raleigh Tejada can play. Uh, they've got some dudes in the secondary that are all really good players. They've got some safeties that can make some plays. They're a ball-hawking secondary. Of course, that will be tested on Saturday. 
But, yeah, against the run, when you lose Terrell Bernard and part of the game happens, that guy was special. I really thought, and I know Osai at Texas, even though they've started to fall apart, and I know Iowa State's got the Rose kid and Oklahoma's got some of theirs and, and the Sills brothers, at, well, Sills at West Virginia. I thought until he got hurt that Terrell Bernard could be, and it would, it would have been a fight to see what a, he could be the defensive player of the year. In, in the Big 12 Conference, he was having that kind of a year, even with the record they were having. I don't know if he would have gotten it or not. He was – that's you guys, I'm, you know, he's special. And he's he got tremendous speed, and when he gets there, you, he hits you, you're going you're, – you're, usually you're going down. And he doesn't look like he's that big. Um, they just struggle against the run, and that's death, man. I'm telling you, when, when everyone wants to chunk it around, and with Stevenson being a big back – and, and Pledger and all the guys that Oklahoma's been able to use, I, that, you know, everyone wants to look at what Rattler's going to do with his receivers, but you're right. They might, they might be able to gash him in the running game because Kansas State sure did. I think Baylor's lost a little speed on defense with some of the injuries that have occurred. They've got ejections about every other game because of targeting. That hurt them as well. Petrie's very good, but Terrell Bernard was a straw that stirred that drink. So when you take all that into account, What's got to happen for Baylor to come in here and have a chance to win this thing late? You know, I, Oklahoma's down some numbers. There's no doubt, but they're still going to have a big personnel advantage. They've got carryover advantage, you know, both offensively and defensively running the same schemes from, from previous years. So what's going to have to happen for Baylor to be able to hang around in this thing and have a chance late? They'll have to start at least – if it's not that they start well – it would be helpful if the offense went out and moved the ball a little bit and kind of carried over with what they did in the second half. I know Oklahoma's defense is completely like they've gone bipolar from what they were early in the year. We know how much better they're playing on the defensive side of the football, but that would help. Anytime you can do that. Here's the other thing is whether that early Oklahoma surge, OU's always been good, whether it was Stoops or Lincoln Riley, or, you know, you, you could be down 21 nothing in the first quarter if, you, if, you, you know, if you're not careful. And they have to somehow, somehow weather that. Whether they put up many points or three points or seven points or whatever, weather the storm in Oklahoma, and then they're going to have to I, – I think it's – you know, this is with all due respect to how Baylor came back to beat Kansas State. Kansas State, again, was a team that's also shorthanded. They're going to have to have Oklahoma lay it on the ground a couple of times. I think they're going to have to maybe get a pick or two. And Rattler, who had been having that problem, obviously has gotten so much better on that. They're going to have to they're going to have to get two or three turnovers to me, and they're going to have to weather the storm. If they can weather the early storm, and all of a sudden you get nine minutes left in the second quarter, and you know you've done a couple of things, and OU's thrown up a couple of you know the back in the day, and we got Barry Switzer on our show here on Thursday. OU didn't lose. If they did, it was like on occasion to Nebraska or to a great team somewhere else. But they didn't lose. The only time they lost was when they turned it over six, seven, eight times in that bone, right? And so that's, that's how much better Oklahoma is than Baylor this year based on the record and based on what we've seen. They're going to have to be sloppy with the football and give Baylor maybe something that's like, whoa, and then – then the, you, you, then the carryover's there, and that's to me how they can at least have a chance with eight minutes left in the game that they're not down 30 and that there's still a possibility they're in the game. No one 
knows the Baylor Bears better than David Smoke. Catch him Smoke on show. Sikkim. Catch him on Sikkim 365 Radio. Smokey, man, really appreciate the time. Hey, you guys, anytime, appreciate you. I hate that we can't come up there and travel and watch it. Boy, I hate that. I, I've really missed, you know, having an opportunity. Well, I've been at the games at McLean Stadium, but it's not the same. It's like a mausoleum when we're watching the football games. Thank you so much for bringing, uh, bringing me on, and also thanks for the compliments. You guys back at you as well. Man. Smokey knows everything about Baylor football. He could, he's just bouncing back from like years past to the present. That was hard to keep up with. Yeah, smoke's all over the place. The problem sometimes whenever you know everything is it's hard to stay focused on, the, uh, on what's going on. There's so much stuff. But, you know, in, in honesty, there's so much stuff going on with Baylor right now, and you've got to really back up and take a look at the whole picture before you can really explain thoroughly what to expect come Saturday. Yeah. I, I do really like that Jalen Petrie kid. I think he's one of the most improved players in the conference. Watch out for him, people. Yeah. All right, Ted, let's move on to Call Your Shot, and that's brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra-premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy that's going to be coaching on Saturday. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. And we asked you guys to make your boldest predictions for OU Baylor, and this one from Tyler Burton was so good. I, I just could, I, I couldn't pass it up, Teddy. At TylerBurton7 on Twitter says, Instead of running out of the tunnel carrying a sledgehammer, Buki will raise up a bottle of rock and roll tequila. <laughs> oh, Tyler Burton, awesome is that? That, that is fantastic. I hope it happens. And the next best thing to that would be we need someone out there. We got some very smart uh, listeners to the podcast. We need someone to go ahead and – Photoshop the picture of Buki with the hammer and getting with the tequila. I mean, we've got to circulate that, right? It's got to happen. Absolutely. And just with like Bob smiling off in the distance somewhere, <laughs> that would be That's awesome. So now, cool. Tyler, while this was one of the best call your shots we've gotten, not sure, not so sure. That's what I'll say. Not so sure. Unlikely. Un unlikely. Unlikely that uh, 44 would be able to do that on Saturday. Okay, one more piece of local college football, and that is number 15 Oklahoma State going to take on TCU in Fort Worth. And I guess the big news for Oklahoma State this week was Tevin Jenkins is opting out, which at this point, shouldn't we just say he's leaving? Like, I guess opting out's the nice way of saying, like, 
yeah, he's leaving the team. Like, I guess we'll – do we just keep calling it opting out? Uh, I mean, I guess technically you're, you're still opting out, but this has absolutely zero to do with the coronavirus. So, I mean, you're leaving, you're opting out. I think he's making the smart decision. I want to make that clear. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, it's, it's probably smart, but, dude, I, there is no way in hell I would ever bail on my teammates at any moment during any season with any record, regardless of what was on the line or wasn't on the line. Whenever I lined up with you on day one, I basically took an oath that I'm going to be here till the, the end, win, lose, or draw. So I don't care what my, my draft standing uh, stands to lose. I don't care about any of that. I'd finish with my teammates. Now, I, I can't really say anything about him. I can just say that there's no way I would ever do that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Now, I also wasn't very good. So it would, it would have been an easy decision for me. Like, hey, man, I, I got to get as much tape as I can. But, yeah, it's I, – I can never imagine myself doing that. I know you wouldn't do that for sure. But eh, I guess it's just different now. Well, I, let I, me ask you this. Because offensive lines, uh, you guys tend to be – you're It's the closest weird. group on the team. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's a, it's a weird group, but it's a tight group. Like, how do you think that would go over? Not well. I, I mean, say a guy like Rye Schneider, right? For them, that is, you know, battled to get on the field, and he's, you know, fought through injuries this year, all that stuff. Like, and then Tevin Jenkins, like, hey man, sorry, I'm out. Like, I'd be like, what the hell, bro? <laughs> like, we're, yeah. And the thing is, Oklahoma State isn't necessarily out of the picture in the Big 12. I don't know if Tevin Jenkins knows this, but Iowa State's got a tough game against West Virginia this weekend. I'm just, yeah. I, I'm just saying, but it is, it is what it is. I'm not gonna, I, I am not gonna criticize the kid because he thinks he's making the best decision for himself and his family. It's not a decision we would make, but. It, it is different now. This is more common now, and maybe we just have a hard time understanding, but Daniel Jeremiah did fire off that he was one of his top five tackles that he's watched on tape, and I bet Tevin Jenkins saw that and was like, all right, deuces, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, I get it, and I feel like, unfortunately, some of these things that we've seen from from this year, the the dreaded COVID year, are going to – hold on and be fixtures and I think one of them is guys that are playing on teams that are you know thought of highly preseason and they're one of the better players on that team that has you know draft implications that as soon as there's a chance that they're not going to win the conference or win a national championship or whatever that they're going to be out because it was only last year that we were talking about how controversial it was for guys not playing in bowl games that were kind of meaningless. You know, that was a big controversy a year ago. Now, all of a sudden, we got guys bailing on the season left and right. And, you know, no one even acts like it's a coronavirus issue at this point. 
we've become used to it and we're numb to it. And I think this is something that's going to hang around after this season, unfortunately. Yeah, completely agree. And I will say uh, Oklahoma State's kind of in a dangerous spot against TCU, or at least that's the way it feels to me. They're only favored by two and a half. And we saw that defense from Oklahoma State give up all those big plays against Tech last week. I, I could see Max Duggan running wild a little bit in this one, Ted. So uh, that's going to be an interesting I, game. I think TCU wins the football game. Mm. I'm kind of leaning that way too. I'm not going to lie. There's it, some, uh, I think there's some interesting stuff at Oklahoma State right now. I mean, when you got a, your best offensive lineman opt out whenever like, you're down in the bottom of the ninth and you've got to have some crazy things happen, but you're not out. You know, I mean, well, I, I don't know what the Chuba Hubbard situation is, but he was moving like awfully well. He was yeah. moving awfully well on the sideline. Just saying. That feels like an opt out to me as well. So whenever you've got that stuff going on, I I don't know, man. It just it does not feel good. It feels like the uh, as Toby Rowland said the other day, the giver ripper for Oklahoma State has flatlined. Yeah. And uh, I will say this, Tylen Wallace, we haven't heard any complaining. We haven't heard any opt-out talk. All the kid does is go out there and make plays. Now, I know he's coming off the knee from last year. He's trying to put good stuff on tape. I understand that. But he has quickly climbed my list of Oklahoma State guys that are easy to root for. I like what that kid is about. Mm-hmm. And I hope uh, I hope he has all the success in the world. Because when all these other guys now watch him opt out here on like Friday or something. But I will say I uh, I'm a Tyler I'm a Tylen Wallace fan. I'll admit it. If anyone should opt out by now it should have been Tylen Wallace with uh who's got throwing him the football and the offense that they're running right now. My goodness. I mean, the great Cornholio, Cornelius, <laughs> threw for 4,000 yards just by throwing the ball downfield as far as he could. 4,000 yards. I mean, and they're not, they're not anywhere near that. That offense is just totally dried up. They yeah. got a 2,000-yard rusher on their team, and uh, what, what did the – he go for the bullet in a cough. You're like 1400 yards receiving something like that. 14 touchdowns. I mean, and they're not even, they're not, they've got nothing, nothing. It's a good reminder that the offensive line is the most important position in all of football. Just, just say it. I'm just saying. And Amen. on that note, we'll move on to the national college football roundup. So I can't let Teddy chime in there. And that is brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. 
If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Okay, second edition of the college football playoff rankings were released. And while Kurt Herbstreet stole the show with some of his comments, the top seven remained the same. And Teddy, I guess the most notable thing was Iowa State jumps up all the way to number nine. Uh, I guess the committee was really impressed with that win in Austin, right? Yeah, I, I, they were, and rightfully so. I think that's a good spot for Iowa State. I think I agree with it. Um, you know, I would tell you right now that I think Oklahoma's a better football team than Iowa State, but I think Iowa State has earned that position right there in front of them by beating them uh, earlier this season. Um, you know, here's the interesting thing, and I think it's right, but I'd like to get your take on it. We're talking about Oklahoma's chances going to the college football playoff if they win out, but what about Ohio State, or excuse me, Iowa State's? Should we talk about that at all? I know they've got the two losses, but they'll have uh, they'll have better wins than Oklahoma. I I think because of the year, you could put a loss like the Louisiana loss they had behind them. But I mean, I don't think they have a chance. But do you think there's any way that Iowa State, if they were to beat Oklahoma again? when Oklahoma's at their full strength playing their best football, if they were to beat them again, Big 12 championship, do you think if some of the same things that had to happen for Oklahoma happened that Iowa State would have a chance? No. I don't. Yeah. I, I, I think, and it's you, you mentioned it, I think the college football playoff committee would talk themselves out of it because of that Louisiana loss. You just – you can't have a team – that's playing for it all that lost to Louisiana. And I know Louisiana's in what are the 25th now? I think mm-hmm. it, it, you, you just can't set that precedent even in this weird year. Like that's, I, I don't think they'd be, be able to look past it. I, I really don't, especially with Cincinnati. And now if something weird happened with Cincinnati and A&M, like maybe something, if something crazy happened, Ohio state wasn't able to play any more games, something like that. But, I just think that loss, and you got to go back and remember just how much the Big 12 and Iowa State in particular was getting clowned for that loss. And so bad. People don't how, forget. Do, just imagine if they, go, they end up winning the Big 12 this year. How cool. pissed off would you be as a coach, as a player, as a fan over that stupid Louisiana game start off the year? Oh, that would be so horrible. <laughs> Especially, what, didn't they give up two returns for touchdowns in that game? Definitely one. I know they gave up one for sure. Oh, Purdy threw like three interceptions, I think. It's terrible. Ugh. Now, they're a better football team than when they played that game. Sure. I want to make that clear, but I just think that's too much for them to overcome. Uh, some other notable things in the rankings. Oklahoma State moving up eight spots to number 15 for beating Tech. So... Okay, sure, we'll take it. And then Oklahoma stays at 11. So really, really not that much 
of a shakeup except for Iowa State going to nine. And OSU did have the biggest jump, jumping eight spots. But I mean, which honestly, doesn't that tell you that all they're doing is wadding stuff up in a ball and throwing it against the wall? I mean, there, there is no way. I would move Oklahoma State back after watching them against Texas Tech, not forward. Agreed. That team has now, problems. Bart, Bart had talked about it, and he was like, well, a bunch of teams in front of them lost. And I was like, not that many. I think they just forgot about them last week. It's like, you know, hey, <laughs> I don't know. That, that was weird. Yeah. Okay, another piece of news. Ohio State has resumed football activities and appear to be on track to play Michigan State in East Lansing. On Saturday, now Ryan Day won't be able to coach, but certainly this is an important game for Iowa St- Ohio State. Gosh, Iowa State is on my mind. Ohio State because they need to play as many games as possible. And you heard Gary Barta talk about it after the selection show and said that there is a conversation about putting Texas A&M in over Ohio State. So that conversation has happened with the committee. So they need to play games. I I think if they win, I don't even think they have to look very impressive because the committee wants to put the big brand of Ohio State in with Justin Fields. Like people will watch that. But they have to play more games. They have to keep playing games, Ted. It's pathetic. There is no reason that Ohio State should make the college football playoff with their with their schedule. I mean, in a typical year, if they had run through their schedule and beat Penn State, beat Michigan, um, you know, played Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship, okay, they didn't have very many games, but dadgummit. Of those six or seven games, look how how many good, tough football teams they had to play. That's not the case. The Big Ten is god-awful. They're terrible. BYU has just as impressive of a run of undefeated than Ohio State's going to have at the end of their season. I mean, they are. So, I I mean, I think it's it's ridiculous. I think, if anything, this year has exposed – how ridiculous the whole process is and how name matters way more than anything else. And they will do, they will bend their back, mental gymnastics, whatever it takes to justify putting Ohio state in. They'll do whatever it takes, you know, on one year. Well, yeah, you know, it's just, we can't put a big 12 team in because that 13th data point, they just don't have it. Well, Ohio State's going to play six games compared to teams playing 10, and we're going to let them in? What the hell are you talking about? I know it's a different year, but, I mean, there has to be some cutoff, right? It's ridiculous. There's no consistency. There's no carryover with a committee, which, you know, I, I think you kind of have to have a committee in the, in the way college football is laid out, but they can do whatever they want, and they can justify it any way that they want. Well, you know, it's just that eye test. It's it just it's whatever they want it to be. I think it's a joke. I hope Ohio State loses every single game they play the rest of the year. It makes me that mad. 
And it's none of, it's not their fault. It's the committee's. Well, I feel like there's really not much more to be said. <laughs> you know? Data points. Data I haven't points. been thinking about that or anything. Good. I, I'm glad I'm glad you could get that off. I, I, I feel like I feel like that was weighing on you, man. You needed that. Um Big Ten still having virus issues. Uh, their issues continue. Northwestern Minnesota is canceled. Man, PJ Fleck and the boys, they are not rowing the boat. Or maybe they were too close to each other when they were rowing the boat. Good Lord, they got problems. They need a bigger boat so they can <laughs> separate a little bit, I guess. I think we're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, Michigan canceled their game with Maryland and has halted football activities, uh, other Big Ten stuff. Barry Alvarez suggested that the Big Ten could revisit the six-game minimum. Yeah. To play in the yeah, conference let's championship. Let's do whatever we got to do to make sure Wisconsin and Ohio State can play in it, right, guys? Let's, let's do that. Barry Alvarez, that's not what he wants, even though he's the athletic director at Wisconsin. Hmm. Funny how that works, but it also seems kind of like a smart thing to do for them. I don't think Northwestern's one of the two best teams in the Big Ten, uh, but they beat Wisconsin, so I, hey, I really can't say anything. Here's what they should do. Why don't they have a committee there in the Big Ten just pick the two teams that they want to play in the Big Ten championship this year? Why don't they do that? You know, don't put it past our (laughs) friends, the czars, the chancellors in the Big Ten. That's something they may do, Teddy. Don't give them any good ideas. And then there's a lot of stuff about Notre Dame and the ACC, but I'm going to save that for my winners and losers of the week. Uh, So we'll get to that. Okay, some good games this weekend not the best slate but there are some interesting ones and I I saw this game on the schedule and it just made me chuckle Teddy remember when we thought Florida at Tennessee could be a big game for who may come out of the SEC East (laughs) that was funny is Tennessee still playing this year are they playing football games I have not noticed I don't know normally a bunch of Tennessee fans will get my mentions every once in a while been awkwardly quiet it's weird uh, we're not that, wasting our time with that That game. place is going nowhere until they get themselves a quarterback, man. Very true. Okay, first game I want to talk about, West Virginia at Iowa State. And this is an interesting game to me because Iowa State coming off that emotional win against Texas. West Virginia had the game against OU get postponed. Uh, they've had extra time to get ready for this game. And this team seems a little pissed off to me. Uh, Neil Brown, he came out, he shut down all the rumors about him being a candidate at South Carolina. He literally said, I'm not a candidate there. Like, that's what the man said. So I, I don't know how much more clear he has to make that. But from a physicality standpoint, I like this matchup. I think this is going to be a close football game. I feel like West Virginia matches up really well with what Iowa State does, especially with what Iowa State does offensively because that defensive front from West Virginia led by the Stills brothers, they can slow down that Iowa State running game. They can slow down Brees Hall. And you guys know how much I love Brees Hall. But that all being said, I feel like, and we've said this a couple times now, I feel like it all depends on what version of Brock Purdy shows up. I know we've seen the good Brock Purdy the last couple of weeks, Ted, but I don't know if I can trust him just yet. I mean, I, I agree 100% with you on Purdy. 
and I still have this this burning sensation in the back of my brain that is saying, do not get on board the Iowa State train yet. You cannot do it. They're going to let you down. And this feels like one of those moments, doesn't it, where West Virginia, which I think is the most underrated team in the, in the Big 12. I think they are a tough, tough out. I think they're playing better football right now than they have been all year. Uh, there is a little anger behind them. I know they love hearing their coach say he's not leaving. All of that stuff is fantastic. Like I, I worry about Iowa State losing this game. Like for me, Oklahoma, I thought it was going to be a good tight game, and I still think it will be. But Iowa State cannot score like Oklahoma can. They're not as explosive offensively as Oklahoma is. They can run the ball, and they do a pretty good job with Brees Hall, and they'll spread it around to their tight ends and and Xavier Hutchins. But I mean. They're not nearly as explosive, and that's why I think that West Virginia is going to be able to hang around and try and make something happen late and have a chance to win the football game. I think it's going to be incredibly tight, field goal, touchdown game, one-score game. Yeah, West Virginia only giving up 112 rushing yards a game. So we got a little strength-on-strength battle, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pumped for that football game. I I know it's not a big headliner game, but – I'm very excited. What time does it kick on that one? Is that 11 a.m.? That's a good question. Teddy, why don't you go on a rant about something real quick, entertain people while I look this up. Uh, I'm going to keep all of this in. You you know how I operate. Um, it is a scrolling, scrolling. It is a tooth hurty kickoff. Okay. 2.30. Look at you. No rant needed. I was yeah. going to try and figure out a way to, to get upset about the loss Iowa State early in the year, but didn't I, even need to. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about the monolith. Where did the monolith go? Did you see that that thing in I Arizona did. or wherever it is? Where is I it? I, yeah, is it Utah? Utah? I think it's Utah. I think it's weird. Utah. But incredibly weird. Now it's gone. Oh. Hmm. I don't. I don't understand that. And allegedly, just some shitheads took it away. I, I, I don't know. I don't mess with the aliens. Uh, guys, we're cool. We're cool. No problems. That was weird, though. Definitely. Really weird. Okay, so Indiana, number 12 Indiana at number 16 Wisconsin on Saturday, and it sucks. Michael Penix tore his ACL, going to be out for the rest of the year for Indiana. A huge bummer. For that team, huge bummer for Tom Allen and really takes a lot of sizzle away from this game. Now, Wisconsin, they still, it's hard to believe, they've only played three games. And the last time we saw them play, they lost to Northwestern, which seems like forever ago. But, Teddy, I've tried. I, I just cannot get excited for this football game. I still love Ty Fry Fogel. It's one of my favorite names in all of college football to say. But I'm not sure Jack Tuttle will be able to get him the ball. And I I guess I'm a little. If there's anything that excites me about this game, it's how many times will Indiana's defense force Graham Mertz to give them the ball? Because we've seen Mertz now a couple times. He he can get a little loose with it, and Indiana's still very good at taking away. But also, Indiana still can't run the ball. And for some reason, that makes me think that it will make Wisconsin angry for some reason, and Wisconsin will rush 
for one million yards in this football game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm fascinated by it. Um, I don't know what to think about Wisconsin. I think Indiana obviously losing their quarterback is a big hit, but I is is the party over? I mean, don't you feel like this is a and this has nothing to do with X's and O's, and and maybe this is the the fan in me um, kind of ignoring everything that's telling me that yes, the party is over, and so, you know, I want Indiana to keep winning, and I like the way that that team fights. I love their head coach. I love the attitude of everyone on that football team. Maybe this is just wishful thinking, but I don't know how good Wisconsin is. I don't know how many of their guys have been able to practice. I mean, I do feel like the Mertz deal was like he looked good in one game early, and that's really it. That's all we've seen. Who what, was it against Maryland that they played great early, or yeah. was it Rutgers? Remember, remember Five when Graham Mertz. He had, like, one incompletion, and we were like, oh, my God, Wisconsin's got a great quarterback, and now we're all like, eh, eh. That's what we kind of thought he was he was going to be. So, I I don't know. I mean, I just – I feel like maybe Indiana's not dead in the water yet. Yeah, but still, that game has lost its sizzle. Yeah, I'll check in after the game to see what happened. There you go. All right, one more – Number five, Texas A&M goes to Auburn. Now, clearly, Cincinnati, OU, even Iowa State, right? Certainly are cheering for Auburn in this one, BYU. But unfortunately, I like A&M in this game. Auburn, uh, lately, they've had some trouble running the ball ever since Tank Bigsby got banged up. And uh, I know they've lost a few O-linemen. Those guys banged up as well, but... This A&M defense, the more I watch them, the more I like them. And only allowing 87 rushing yards a game, I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous. So I I could see Auburn having to rely on Bo Nix throwing the football in this one. And that's not exactly a recipe for success, uh, especially with all the pressure that A&M brings. So if, if Kellen Mond plays well, plays within himself, Ted, I think the Aggies will be fine in this one, unfortunately. I hope they lose, but I think they'll be fine. I do, too. I think they're going to be fine. But, you know, don't you feel like it may be too good to be true with A&M? Like, at some point, we're going to see their true colors. I mean, Kellen Mond has been good, but he yeah, hasn't been great. I mean, their their defense has been good. But can they score enough? I mean, and all of this is saying that Auburn is just coming off of getting their tails whipped by Alabama. And I don't know what that does to them. If that has them regroup, refocus, come out and play well, or if they just kind of throw in the towel and say, can 2021 please get here? I don't know. But A&M is the better football team. But this just – kind of feels like an A&M moment. I mean, it just kind of feels that way. Everyone's looking past Auburn. Oh, look how bad they lost to Alabama. They're terrible. They're not any good. And it's gonna. It's a talented team. They've got some good talent on that football team for Auburn. So I don't know. I just I feel like 
this is a dangerous football game for A&M. I think the A&M moment is against Tennessee. I think you they're going to go full A&M. Full wow. A&M. Or maybe even – that. remember, they, they still have to play Ole Miss, right? So That's a dangerous game right there. That's, that's the game to look out for. That's interesting. I'm just Levy's saying. Levy's going to dial it up, and he's going to put up 45 on them. They're not going to know what to do. Yeah. A&M, we've got our eye on you. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments. Let's start with our winners and losers of the week. And Teddy's – that's not how you say that. That wasn't English. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the week? Oh, buddy, it's Coastal Carolina. It's Coastal Carolina. Not only do they have game day coming to town, right, but they've got Liberty dialed up. Liberty sounds like is maybe having some virus issues. Okay, and BYU, after opting out, uh, to use the parlance of our times, Gabe, <laughs> after opting out of the Washington game, BYU's all of a sudden decided, oh, my God, we better play another football game. What are we going to do? They are on standby. They're in the on-deck circle. In case Liberty cannot play this thing, they're going to fly in and play Coastal Carolina. Ooh. And they, I hope that happens, and they're going to get what they deserve. And Coastal Carolina is going to whip their tail. That's what's going to happen. Coastal Carolina is either going to get a chance to beat number 25, Liberty, or maybe, hopefully, number 13, undefeated, BYU, flies into town and gets beat. I'm sorry. BYU is a good football team. Uh, they got a good quarterback. It was a fun story for me right up until the time they backed out, wimped out of playing Washington. That's whenever it was over for me. So, Coastal Carolina, game day's in town. Whoever shows up, they're going to beat them. I like that. You're, you are back in the Chanticleers. I love it. I am. I am. I think it's awesome. Their field is teal. You know that, right? I do, and I am going to swallow my pride on that one for a week. And so I, 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 I just want to make sure. So there's a team that has a teal field, and they're going to be weird wearing teal jerseys. And, and in your scenario, a team that is extremely physical on both sides of the line of scrimmage that you have admitted to loving watch play. You're going to take the teal field team. I, I just want to make sure I'm understanding this correctly. I am. You're leaving out the most important part. They've also got a cock for their mascot. So, you know, that's one thing that you've got to remember, Gabe. The shot to clears. How could I forget? That's Let's a good go. point. That's a good Two point. I really. Though. I mean, come on. You bring that up. Why? 
I know that wasn't a unilateral decision by someone. There had to be a meeting. And I'm sure there was a couple of reasons why they thought it was a good idea. But someone has to have a set and stand up in that meeting and say, guys, what the hell are we talking about? Let's get a normal green football field. Till is horrible, right? <laughs> it was – this is exactly how that meeting went. No, 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 guys, I've got it. We make the field teal. And one guy looked at another guy and went, that'll be the difference. That'll separate us from the pack. Yes, yes. So By the way, Coastal time, Carolina is a badass campus. I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures of it. It is I beautiful. I haven't. It's amazing. I know they've got some really good players. They do. They've got a couple edge guys that you see them, you're like – Damn. What's that, the Gunter kid, the the big edge guy, 6'4", 260? Yeah. That's how I like my edge guys. All right, (laughs) who's your loser of the week? It's Kansas. Did you watch the Kansas-Kentucky game? It It was brutal. I mean, the shooting in that basketball game was... This is what I'll say about Kansas. They are so far from what they were last year. And the Jalen Wilson kid saved their ass in that game. He was great. But I, I am used to Kansas being elite. That's not an elite team with what I just watched. That Kentucky team, they're young and athletic. But in my opinion, they're not very good yet. That Kansas last year beats that Kentucky team by 20. I agree. Now, the reason I have them as the loser is the Marcus Garrett situation. Did you see that? I mean, he can't breathe. We are in the middle of a a global pandemic. And say what you want about the pandemic. Say what you want about it. That fine. If a player comes to you and has any of the symptoms of coronavirus, any of them, and I know that literally every single possible feeling that you have, including a stub toe, is on the list of symptoms for coronavirus. I understand that. But in the current time that we're in right now, if a player comes to you and has any of the symptoms, he's out. He's out. I don't care what the test says. I don't care what the test says. Tests are, they are totally unreliable. Totally unreliable, okay? I don't care what it says. If you've got a kid that has symptoms, he shouldn't even be on the bench. He shouldn't be around the team. He damn sure shouldn't play in the game. What do you play, like 35 minutes in the game? And looked exhausted. (laughs) Yeah. He can't breathe. Oh, yeah. I wonder why that is. I wonder if there's any type of respiratory illness going around out there. Like, what are we doing? How do do you do something that's stupid? Bill Self. It's not just a Bill Self deal. Like, that has to be everyone involved. They they went full Dabo. It's, It's like, it's ridiculous, man. 
you guys trust the test or not you know he said his negative test you guys trust the test or not hell no no you don't trust the test if he's got the symptoms you leave him home he's got a fever he's congested he's he's having trouble breathing he's coughing like <laughs> i dude i don't Someone know should find the shit out of kansas for doing something that stupid i don't care if he never tests positive, I don't care if anyone on the team ever tests positive. I don't care if nothing ever comes of it. For doing something like that, they should be fine. And uh, I guess, and they kept bringing it up, like he's not himself. He he's having trouble breathing. And I was like, guys, every time you bring this up, like you're making everyone think the kid's got COVID. Like I I I don't know if that's right. That that's where my mind was going every time they talked about it, but. That's where it was going, and I think that's only natural with what we're going through right now. But, dude, I'm with you. I, I am a – right now, with everything that's going on, with the numbers climbing the way that they're climbing, it's like I'd rather be safe than sorry, especially with a kid that's got a chance to play in the NBA, right, like Marcus Garrett. Like Marcus Garrett, he was the National Defensive Player of the Year last year. He's a damn good basketball player. Now – does his offensive game need work? Yeah, it does. But this kid's got an NBA future. If he can't breathe, maybe let's not play him and maybe let's take a deeper look at what's going on. You know what I'm saying? And maybe they did to their defense, but no, they didn't. The, the optics of it, you're right. The optics are not good. That's it's that's all it is. That I mean that's really all I care about is I just, I don't understand how someone could be that stupid. I just don't. If you've got the symptoms, stay home until you don't have the symptoms. We'll get you tested out. If you're feeling that bad to where someone needs to, we'll get you admitted somewhere. We'll, we'll get you figured out. We'll get you taken care of. We're not sending you home to, to be on your own and who knows what's going to happen to you. We're going to take care of you, but you can't be around us. You can't be around our team and you can't go play basketball against someone else. I, I don't know, Gabe. Don't know. He can't breathe. <laughs> it's dude. I don't know, but my winners and losers are brought to you by sound advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment systems indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and cable boxes so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, and my internet has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, Call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Teddy, my winner of the week. It has to be Notre Dame. Absolutely has to be. Number two in the college football playoff ranking, right? Which they've earned. But then the ACC. Oh, oh, sweet John Swafford, you beautiful bastard. You smart, intelligent man that's about to retire going out on a high note, if you weren't aware, the ACC made a bunch of schedule changes. All of those changes resulted in Notre Dame clinching a spot in the ACC championship game. 
Now, Notre Dame was supposed to play Wake Forest on December 12th, but since Dabo and Clemson are refusing to go back and play Florida State, the ACC was like, hmm, well, we're not going to force our cash cow Clemson to do something they don't want to do. So how about this? They just decided, you know what, we'll compare Miami, Notre Dame, and Clemson, the three teams that are kind of battling for the ACC championship game. We'll just compare them based on nine conference games. We'll just do that. We'll just change the rules. So as a result of some tiebreakers, Notre Dame is in. They are in the ACC championship game, Teddy, which I I think is – Uh, The ACC makes its own rules. Uh, I think it's smart what they're doing. It is maximizing their chances of getting two teams in the college football playoff. I think John Swafford is a genius for doing this. Now, I bet Miami is pissed. But you know what? They're like, hey, we've got Notre Dame in here this year. We are going to milk this for every dollar that the fighting Irish are worth. And Teddy, your dream of Notre Dame joining the ACC and waltzing in that conference and running the table and winning the ACC championship game and leaving with that trophy is very close, my friend. Never to return again. Thanks, guys. We don't ever need to be in a conference again. We don't need a conference. All we, you know, we just win it. So there's no point in us really being in a conference. Oh, it's fantastic. I can't wait. Um, I hope they win that game for multiple reasons, but uh, that one is definitely one of them. To be in a conference for a a one-off year, one year, and going and win the thing has to be the coolest thing ever. I love that. It's – I mean, shout out to John Swafford. What what a boss move. That's one of those things when uh, I saw it come out, I was like, I I didn't know he could do that. Too bad they weren't having one of those watch parties where everyone's sitting around with pizza whenever they're releasing the new schedule to where they could celebrate. Yay, we made it. ACC championship. All because of a schedule change. Thank you, Florida State. You ruined Miami's season. Good job. Nice job. Great job. All right, Ted, my loser of the week. Uh, I thought about going with Malik Beasley. I mean, what are you doing, man? Figure it out, bro. NBA guys, rough week, rough couple days for NBA guys. But my loser of the week, it, it's got to be football teams that call Santa Clara County home. Teddy, have you seen all this stuff? I mean, this is it, – it's unreal. So Stanford football and the San Francisco 49ers, you know, those, those are the two biggest teams when you're talking about this county out in California. And – They issued a health order that prevents contact sports from being played. So that's kind of a problem when you've got a bunch of football teams playing in your county right now. So the 49ers are moving everything to Arizona for the next two weeks. They're going to play in the Cardinals stadium. Stanford is spending this week in Seattle and will spend next week in Corvallis. And how about this one? This is by far my favorite. San Diego State, they are located in Santa Clara County out there in California. San Diego State was supposed to play Hawaii at home this weekend. But because of the restrictions, 
they are flying to Honolulu to play Hawaii. So I, I understand, and listen, I understand. I, I've been taking the virus stuff very ser- seriously. I pretty much don't leave my house. You know, Teddy, you know how I roll during all of this. I understand we want to protect people as much as possible. I get it. I get it. But that doesn't change the fact that this absolutely has to suck for those coaches and players. I mean, this sounds like my nightmare as a college or professional football player. Like, you're just living in a hotel. It sucks. And not only does it suck for those guys, it's ridiculous and does nothing to help the greater good and stop the spread out there. They're not playing in front of fans. Now, if you want Little League contact sports to stop happening to where uh, kids and other teams are spreading it all around throughout the local community and a bunch of parents are there packed into tight gyms watching things, and if you want to do all that, that's fine. Go ahead. Do whatever you want. You're not going to stop the virus anyways, but if that stuff makes you feel good, go ahead and do it. Now, here you've got big protein – like. The 49ers have the ability to make sure that everyone on their team is socially distant at all times, is masked up, is taking tons of precautions that other little league teams or high school teams that they just don't have the resources to be able to do. Same thing with Stanford. Same thing with, um, you know, whoever else is out there at that type of level. I mean, I get it placing some ordinances out there. But you got to make some special arrangement for people that, you know, can clearly do it and do it safely. Like, yeah. if you're issuing a blanket order and it's mainly aimed at, like, little leagues and, and junior highs and high school teams that are playing, I think you can let the, the professional local team that pays a ton of money into the – the state and taxes, go ahead and play those football games. But, you know, what do I know? The luxurious lifestyle of NFL players living in a hotel for a couple weeks. It's safer to go pack into a hotel on the road. That's better. (laughs) They're getting tested every day. I I don't know, but I I just read that story and I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, and they they had no, like, prior warning to it at all. No. Like not like, even. Oh yeah, a heads hey, by up. the way, you guys can't play your games here next week. <laughs> Amazing. All right, Ted, let's wet the beak. And wet the beak's brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. One thing about that help around the house. Hey, Christmas lights were up. I, I don't the, they, they weren't turning on. Outdoor outlets, I, huh. they weren't coming on. We had never used them before, so it was the first time we tried to use them. The lawn people had put up the Christmas lights. I was like, hey, Tim. Hey, outdoor outlets, what's going on? Tim Hughes, over here personally. Boom, Christmas lights on. Boom. Awesome. So, there you that's go. the kind of service you get. Love it. 
You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It's a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. Okay, so no Thursday night football this week, even though we just had that weird Wednesday afternoon thing between the Ravens and Steelers. My God, that was a boring football game. It's going to be the new thing, though, NFL. Once the ratings come out, it's like, hey, there's a bunch of people watching this. It's the new Wednesday matinee football. We'll have a song and everything. It'll be great. (laughs) Carrie Underwood, another new song. Um, So I I look for the best game on Sunday, and I think it's the 8-3 Cleveland Browns traveling to Nashville to take on the 8-3 Tennessee Titans. And if you like strong run games, well, then this is undoubtedly the game for you. You got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt for the Browns. You got Derrick Henry for the Titans, who always seems to just turn into an absolute monster in late November and in December. Uh, I don't know what happens. He just he just goes like super saint. It's unbelievable. But I, I could see both run games performing well in this game, which makes me think that it could come down to what happens with those passing games and in particular what the quarterback play is like. And, and Ryan Tannehill, he's, he's played really well this year. He's earning that money. He's got A.J. Brown back, who is an absolute monster. And Baker Mayfield, he's, he's been a little up and down, but he has taken care of the football lately. Uh, I don't think he threw an interception like all of November. So he's being more careful with it. He needs to be more accurate. That's well established. But you also have the Browns getting Miles Garrett back off the COVID list. Now the Titans are favored by five and a half. And I will say this, while the, while the Browns have been winning games lately, right, it's not like they've been winning them in impressive fashion. And I was, I was really impressed with what the Titans did to the Colts last weekend. I, I think that's one of the best wins in the NFL all year. So I, I kind of feel better about the Titans. And if I had to, I'm laying the five and a half. Uh, I like Tennessee at home. I think Derrick Henry continues to roll in the month of December. Uh, I expect the Titans to win this game. I agree 100%. Um, I can't knock really um, Cleveland and Baker for winning football games to be 8-3 and three right now in the NFL. Gabe, you know this. There's good football teams that – you know, just can't win football games you, for whatever it is, injury, circumstances. Every game in the NFL is usually a, a one-score game. So it's incredibly difficult to win. So to be 8-3, and three is that's a huge achievement. So I can't knock them for that. The only thing I'll say is I think the only team that they've beaten with a winning record is the Colts. Of their, those eight wins, seven of them are against teams with losing records. I think that means something. I don't think the the Browns I, – I don't want to say that they're not a good football team. I think they're a good football team. I just – I got to go with Tennessee. I think they're a little more battle-tested. I think they've been better against better football teams. I mean, you mentioned they got two wins right now. Uh, they beat the Ravens. They beat the Colts. Those are two good football teams. So, I don't know. Give me Tennessee, and I'll lay the five and a half. Although, I mean – 
I do think it's going to be a low-scoring, tight game, but I think Tennessee wins it by a touchdown. And the real reason you, – you want to know my real reasoning for picking Tennessee in this game? Sure. Titans fired me once. Browns fired me twice. Let's Ooh. go, Titans. It's as good a reason as any. Exactly. All right, Ted, let's finish up with everyone's favorite segment, and that's Keeping It Local where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma, and that's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools reopened in the fall, parents wanted to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children, so they sent them to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked, in addition to athletic programs and clubs. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses, financial aid is available for more information visit bmchs.org and also semifinals against McAllister Clement E. Pribble Stadium Friday night let's go Irish nice okay Teddy um kind of some disappointing news but I, I think news we were all expecting to come down and that was that the Oklahoma City Thunder will not have fans in the stands to start the season. Now, initially, remember they came out with a plan for limited seating capacity. I I went through it with my wife. We were trying to figure out, hey, which seats would we feel most comfortable with? I mean, we spent hours trying to decide, you know, what kind of tickets we wanted for the games because we enjoy going to those games so much. Like, it's literally one of my favorite things to do is to go to those basketball games and feel the energy of that crowd and just – feel like I'm part of something. It, like, it just lets me scratch that sports itch in a different way. But Thunder come out, and we all can understand with what's going on here in the state of Oklahoma. And, and they cited, right, the, the trends in COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations here in the state. And they said their top priority is the health and safety of everyone. So I'm not going to bitch about it. I, I think it's pretty much the only decision that they had are really the only choice they had. And we're going to continue to see teams around the NBA do this as well. So my, my only thought is like, what happens to love's loud city? Like you can't call it loud city if there's no one in it. Right. Like that makes no sense. Um, love's ghost town, I guess. I don't know. Um, here's what I think is interesting. It's one thing to play in an empty gym in a hotel banquet room when it's surrounded by screens and it's a small, cozy environment. It's another thing to play in a massive, cavernous, empty arena. Like how, how different do you think that's going to be for the players? And do you think that they're going to set up some type of wall around – the court like they did in in the bubble or what do you think it's going to look like that's a great because remember in the bubble they kind of almost turned it into like a sound stage yeah. right so it, it looked good when you were watching i mm-hmm. i'm sure each team is going to try to make the television product look as good as it can but also they're going to be trying to appease their sponsors, right? So I would assume there'll be some type of banners or I don't know if they'll put more stuff on the court. I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm with you. Like 
I think they'll try to do something, don't you think? Like, you don't just want them to be – like, NBA players do not practice in empty gyms. Like, they, they have practice facilities that are small. Yeah. Like, it's not like they're running up and down in Chesapeake Energy Arena, and maybe that's something you do to get them ready for the environment they're going to play in. I, I don't know, but I would assume that's what the NBA is working on right now, and they better hurry up. They've got mm-hmm. 20 days. And that doesn't even include the preseason game. What they've got like eleven days. Yeah, I don't first know. First preseason game. A basketball player may simply jump into the mentions and say, "Oh no, it's not a big deal at all. It's not going to matter." And I'll just say, "Okay, I, I don't know. I mean, it just seems weird. Cavernous, big, huge arena. And I know they always say it's the lower the ceiling, the easier it is to shoot because of depth perception and everything. So." I don't know if having fans in there or not like changes some of that with, with the way it's going to be set up, the way it's going to look. I don't know. Just it's going to be interesting to see. And, I mean, the players will adapt. They'll always adapt to those environments. And at some point it's not going to uh, matter. But I'm just curious to see what they think of it, what it, you know, what it feels like watching it on TV. It's just – I don't know. No, it's – a. It's a really good question, and I bet you, you know, because Chesapeake Energy Arena, like they have concerts, they have all kinds of things there. They can drop stuff from from the ceiling. They can do. I, I bet you they can get creative with it. And I, I think the goal would be until fans are let back in. Come on, vaccine, hurry your ass up. But I, I would assume it's let's make it look as good as we can for television, right? Yeah. That, that's got to be the goal. I think the other thing is, too, is like, you know, typically you may play a, a basketball game on a Monday night and then you've got a concert on Wednesday. You've got a, another – or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe an artist is in town for three concerts. Then you've got a monster truck show on Saturday. And then you've got – I don't know, a dog show on Sunday, and then you got another basketball game on Monday. Like, that thing is, like, constantly in motion being changed out. Like, you don't have any of that stuff going on right now, so they can probably, you know, maybe get a little more creative than they typically would and put some type of not necessarily permanent stuff in there, but maybe be a little bit more elaborate than they typically would be. Get fancy with it. Chesapeake Energy Arena. They may not do anything, and it may just be a big empty arena, which is fine, too. We may have just wasted five minutes of our lives <laughs> talking about this. And I'm sorry if you wasted five minutes of your life listening to that. I, I'm sorry. Well, they'll make it look good. I, I feel good about it. All right, Ted. Episode 65 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. And you can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.